electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Friday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber. Futures revisit 4300 overnight as Russian forces occupy Europe's largest nuclear plant in Ukraine. Get a short bounce here, though, on the best jobs number since July, 678,000, good revisions, and in a big surprise, flat wages month on month. We're going to begin, though, with tensions escalating between Russia and Ukraine. Russian forces have taken control of Europe's largest nuclear plant located in southeastern Ukraine. Shelling at the plant sparked a fire, which has since been extinguished. Ukrainian officials say the plant is secure, while the International Atomic Energy Agency says it has seen no change in radiation levels. Meantime, the U.S. Embassy in Kiev calling the attack a war crime uh, and... um, NATO Stoltenberg this morning, Jim, saying uh, no fly zone, still not in our interest, and that uh, suffering would increase if troops were to get involved. Yeah, I, look, I think that this is one of those events that just completely overshadows the employment number. Employment number is actually pretty good. Uh, I don't want to spend that much time on it because when this news happened, uh, there was a ma- massive uh, sell off in all the futures, and you could just watch it. I mean, the, the tick down was rather incredible. Uh, too many people remember other times. Uh, they remember uh, Fukushima, but of course they really remember Chernobyl. And uh, those were accidents. Obviously, Putin knew where these uh, nuclear power plants are. So, it, look, I don't want to say that it's just uh, we should be down as much as Europe. But David, you know, uh, when you have when you mention the word nuke and a nuke plant is under attack, yeah. Yeah, it was very scary last to, night. The texts were flying. Exactly. I know you You're were, not trying to figure out whether you should buy Bristol Mars. No. And and people who uh, obviously uh, make investments as their day job were, were certainly very focused on yes. that. It's hard to say you're thankful for anything going on right now, but at least that did not yeah, become I mean, something worse. Put the fire uh, out. Remember, I mean, I waited until they put the, the fire devastation out. I, said, is, I wasn't going to go to sleep till they put the fire out. Yeah. Uh, the devastation is... Uh, just horrible uh, across the board and obviously no signs of it uh, stopping anytime soon no um but jim you know we are here also to talk about the financial markets and i mean when it comes to this conflict i i do continue to hear a lot more questions about russian exposure russian leverage um what that will mean we all know it's dollar wise not that much but it's still murky to say the least uh what it will mean for the european banks Right. Uh, and others. So that, that continues to reverberate as well uh, as these sanctions start to really dig on the Russian economy um, and as the oligarchs have to start to really potentially sell assets and deal with different things, you know, where are their liabilities? So that's, that's coming up a lot. I thought it was, a, you know, yesterday Jane Frazier at City did not really answer the question in terms of the Russian exposure, which very would seem to have been a very straightforward. Yeah, but, but which is not a large, I mean, you don't want to take a write down that much. But it's no. relatively, it's tiny compared to their overall asset base. True. It's 0.3%. I mean, she wants, you know, you want to be focused on the humanitarian crisis for obvious reasons. But there are those who look at that and go, well, it, you know, they'll continue to be concerned. Well, look, I, if you're going to come in every morning 
And Carl, you know this, you're going to spend for three hours. If you're going to come in every morning and you're going to have uh, the possibility of something nuclear, or something that is just devastating, a kind of a Guernica of a city, uh, we're not going to really want to say, you know what, Jay Powell's got a, he got some leverage here. Uh, and, and anyway, commodity prices keep going through the roof every single time. And there's 11 million barrels that are produced by Russia. And are we really going to just take it all off? I mean, and how are we going to take it all off without having to deal with Iran? And uh, so you, you just get a parade of horribles. that just makes it so that you just say this is uh, it, 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 it just doesn't let you be granular about stocks. But you can't not follow them because if something I'm not saying good happens, but if something ends, uh, then you'll be looking saying, OK, look, what, what did well? So you got to look. Yeah, I mean, the, the de-escalation scenario uh, is hard. Uh, yes. JPM's note this morning says, look, uh, we got more talks scheduled for early next week, right. uh, which is a positive. Uh, but it's not like sanctions are going to go away. No, no. no. It, and even, if, uh, even if we do get some kind of stability di- no. diplomatically. And I do think that there's two ways to look at the sanctions. One is to say that the rich people will be hurt, including Putin is the richest guy there. Uh, but then the other thing is, is that they, 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 they cancel. There's no press now. There's nothing. If you work, if you're in Russia, you have no idea how they're they're doing, other than the fact that they're winning. Yeah, right? they you have, have no other information. No, that's a, it's an important point. They There's have, no New York They Times. have more or less. Even those that were considered independent have been muted at this point. Right. Uh, with a handful, the small group of of somewhat independent news operators in the country. So, yeah, there's not a lot of information. Now, that said, there are ways to get information to the Russian population. And there is, I think, a, to a certain extent, a belief on the part of many of them that they know that they're being but added can, a, look, uh, a look, great but deal of like, Let's say they're coming up from the south, the Russian army. And, Carl, I, I, I would say that it's very easy to broadcast a, uh, a Putin move, which says they are winning. I mean, people were saying yesterday, well, how could he say he's winning? Well, I mean, like, let's say they come up from the south. And they just do a pincer move. Uh, they come from the north. They come from the west. And then it, w- it doesn't really matter what Zelensky says. I'm not, look, I don't want this to happen. But I'm just saying that you could be a Russian and think that they're winning. Uh, yeah. Well, TASS this morning, the, the uh, agency says the upper house of parliament in Russia approving legislation, introducing jail terms for people who circulate what they call fake information. So they're, they're definitely putting the clamps on the free flow of yeah, information. If I got in this business, I was told one thing, which is never mention the Nazis. Never mention Hitler. Never. Because that's off the table. And I keep wanting to come back to that. I keep wanting to come back to say it's off the table. You can't mention it. This is in the camp of that. Now, obviously, we could say, well, where, where were you with Rwanda? Rwanda, the Nazis? Where were you with Boston? You know. But what I'm saying here is, is that there was a moment in uh, right before Hitler was uh, really basically gave Chamberlain a deal of lifetime, which turned out not to be peace in our time, the generals said there was a tremendous, tremendous book that Tupper Taylor was really one of the greatest stories, did this book just about the days before Munich where there was going to be a coup by the German generals saying this man's crazy. This man's crazy. We got to stop him. Uh, he's going to Czechoslovakia. He's going to kill us. We're all going to get killed. They have a great army. And then Chamberlain said, hey, it's yours. We want peace in our time. And that was the end of the general coup. The generals could never have a coup. But, uh, no. I think people are waiting for the generals to have a coup here. In Russia. Yes, I think that's what they're waiting for. Yeah. 
And I think that you're going to be waiting for Godot. Yeah. Wells Fargo had a, a conference call with Admiral Stavridis yesterday where he argued that's the least likely scenario yes. at this point. That is the, that's the bottom of everybody's list. They right. say least likely, most hopeful. Right. Yes. Um, uh, you know, the question, I mean, uh, obviously, that many people could ask, and we have, and nobody knows the answer, is where is, where is uh, Putin on the, on the scale from erratic to suicidal? Right. I think most people are hoping he's still on the erratic side. I know. Look, I, look and the other way to look at it, so, I mean, I'm looking, okay, so the French market's down 3.7. And you could say, like David said, well, a lot of that is, you know, the French banks. But, uh, look, everybody here just thinks that J.P. Morgan is a French bank. That's what happened last time in 2011. They're not. So what happens, all of these, and I want to talk about Chernobyl when we get a chance, but there's just this moment where you just say everybody's guilty, everybody's connected, until they're not. We're going to talk about the differences, though, between U.S. and Europe today and dollar-euro. But first, let's go to Eamon Jabbers for more on the conflict. Good morning, Eamon. Good morning, Carl. In the last hour, NATO Secretary General Jen Stoltenberg said the military alliance is not planning to put boots on the ground or airplanes in the sky in Ukraine, despite those horrific situations that we've seen unfolding there. Here's what he said. And of course, the only way to implement a no-fly zone is to send NATO planes, fighter planes, into Ukrainian air airspace and then impose that no-fly zone by shooting down Russian planes. And our assessment is that uh, we understand the desperation, but we also believe that if we did that, we'll end up with something that could end in a full-fledged war in Europe, involving many more countries and uh, causing much more human suffering. Those comments coming despite the apocalyptic pictures that we saw coming out of Ukraine last night. Russian forces attacking and shelling Europe's largest nuclear plant in Ukraine. The video showed what appeared to be tracer fire as round after round impacted buildings on the site of the plant, igniting a blaze at the facility and prompting Ukrainian officials to appeal to the West desperately for help and warning of a meltdown that could be bigger than the Chernobyl disaster. By daylight, though, the photos were more reassuring. Fire crews on scene, buildings smoking, but the blaze contained for now. Officials said no radiation was released in the incident. And in a bizarre twist, Ukrainian officials said Russian troops have taken control of that site, but they're allowing Ukrainian staffers in the plant to operate it today. Three Ukrainian soldiers were killed and two wounded in the attack overnight. Officials said the building that sustained the most damage was a training center and not part of the nuclear reactor. Back over to you guys. Eamon, appreciate that. Uh, we'll have a lot more from you, of course, later on during the day, Eamon Javers. We do want to touch on the jobs number. Non-farm payrolls up 678, well above the forecast of 440,000. And that boost comes as a lot of the Omicron cases have eased. Unemployment ticks down to 3.8. Average hourly earnings flat month on month, which was the big surprise, Jim. Year on year, 5.1. And prior was 5.7. Oh, do you know how much the market would be up? But, yeah, look, you can't asterisk a nuclear you know, power plant under attack. But these were, like, if you were Jay Powell, you say, you know what? What did I tell you? It's starting to come back. People starting to come back. Uh, the labor force looks like that they, it was Omicron. You, you eliminate some of the benefits. People are looking for jobs again. There's 11 million job openings. Over time, maybe in the next six months, they'll be filled. And this is what I told you. 
Right, although your, your contention the market would be up, I don't know. I mean, isn't it always you get the reaction of the bond market? Everybody thinks the Fed's going to now go even tighter, and so then we end up Why? actually not up at the all. Wages the, the, wage, uh, the wage increases were nil. Right. We, what does Powell want? He wants not a lot. He wants some, some wage increase because he actually believes that people should work for a living as opposed to just CEOs that getting all the money. Uh, he wants uh, good job growth. He wants lower inflation. Uh, and he's just not getting the ladder. Well, we're at 3.8% now. That's pretty good. That is quite good. But we've got quite commodity good. inflation everywhere. I mean, you know, um, wheat. But we, wheat. Have a, we have a talent shortage across the board. You talk to talent any, shortage? Yes. You talk to any CEO, and they will oh, say oh, they're I first. Was like, I thought there. you were talking like the Knicks or something. <laughs> we have one there as well. We're working on that, too. By the talent way, we can shortage. go through virtually every single team in the New York area and say the same thing. But back to CEOs, they will tell you that, you know, finding talent is by far their number one priority. Well, there are no, you know. And we, keeping we, them <laughs> is their second priority. Engineers. Yeah. Like, you just need and, engineers. And then that goes even there across the board, labor shortage in general. We need uh, computer for all engineers. Sorts of different we need all sorts and we need truck drivers still, too. We need truck drivers. we got to make it so that truck drivers, so you can't roll back safety, the number of hours they work. But you can take matters in your own hands the way the Costco did. You know, they, they have seven container ships. Right. They have seven ships that they're leasing. Home Depot does, too, right? They yeah, well, look, I mean, you also. can't be at the mercy. Yeah. The ones, but Home Depot didn't even have that great a quarter because they couldn't pass on a lot of their costs. Freight is such a terrible, when you read about freight, what that means is we hired planes from FedEx to bring in sweaters. You don't make money when you're bringing in sweaters via FedEx planes. No. David? Well, somehow FedEx can't figure out a way to make money either. I think FedEx's quarter is going to be good. You do, huh? Yes, I do. Right, well, well, did you see uh, UNP yesterday? Record high. I mean, people, uh, talk, about, tr- yeah, people which, talk about stagflation and recession, but how does that happen when rails are FedEx? My travel trust sold that like up 40 points, and it could be went up another 10. But, you know, like, that's got it. That's a high-quality problem. We have a talk at 1230 today with, uh, with Rick Monkrief, who is the CEO yeah, of Devon, who put everybody on the path of let's make money. Let's not just drill, baby, drill. And uh, what are they going to do with oil at these prices? Are they going to st- – with a $30 cost basis, are they going to keep – that tight rain on production? Or, or are they going to drill more? I asked, uh, I asked the CEO of ExxonMobil that question yesterday, actually. But I have Devin. Yeah, but uh, I had ExxonMobil. I have Mike Worth. So did Mike I. Worth. I went to dinner with Mike Worth. No, I didn't do that. Yeah. It came up in, the, uh, in Jen Psaki's press briefing yesterday. She's like, there are 9,000 leases out there. Go talk to the oil companies about whether they have enough money to start drilling on those leases. Okay, so oh, uh, I, yeah. I hear that. Uh, that's fatuous. Uh, you've got to get the oil to the market, so you have to have FERC be a little bit more uh, giving. You can't get permits to be able to. Why? Like someone said to me, Jim, why do we have Russian oil coming into Boston? I said, Well, because we can't ship it from the south because the pipelines won't aren't allowed. Well, it's not like we don't have pipelines that come from Houston all the way up to New York. We do. Well, do you see? There's a place called Boston that's north of New York, where the Celtics play. You familiar with them? Patriots. Put it on the Acela. What's your, what's your, uh, yeah, I don't, uh, really? it doesn't get, slow. if it gets here, it can't get there. No. Uh, all right. No, no. You tell me. No, I'm like actually being, I'm, I'm not being facetious. You see, there's new pipelines, but no one wants a pipeline underneath them. I had a pipeline underneath no me. Wants a pipeline I, I got anywhere. a calendar once a year. By the way, just wait till they have to build a pipeline system to, for carbon capture. Nobody's going to want those either. God, you're really playing that Exxon card. I'm, I'm playing Devin. Exxon card. I'm learning things, and it's Devin's not as big as Exxon. No, Devin is far smaller than Exxon. 
minimizing the club. Frankly, less significant and not a Don't global company. And uh, we'll take a look at futures here this morning. Bunch of company uh, notices we haven't gotten to yet, including Gap. Got some news on Disney this morning. Jim mentioned Costco, Broadcom, Marvell, Amazon, Coinbase. All when we return. Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create. Like Olu Shehi, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Uh, getting some news on Disney, which was first uh, reported by the information, but they are confirming that in a first uh, for them, uh, they will expand Disney Plus offerings to, uh, to consumers by introducing an ad-supported tier uh, beginning in the U.S., David, late 22, plans to go international next year. Something some of the street has called for Netflix to do, uh, but we'll see what it means for Disney. Yeah, uh, well, I think the end of the release is perhaps the most interesting line. The ad-supported offering is viewed, this is their opinion, as a building block in the company's path to achieving its long-term target of 230 to 260 million Disney Plus subscribers by fiscal year 24. That is a lot of what Disney will continue to be judged on, despite the fact that obviously it's a lot more than just direct-to-consumer. It's a studio, it's uh, theme parks, it's still ESPN, which produces a prodigious amount of cash flow, which helps, by the way, with what is a fairly large amount of debt. Sometimes we forget how much debt they right. took well, on see the two years ago. The dividend. Remember when they ran into, the uh, obviously, the, the heart of the pandemic there and everything had to close. Um, but Disney is a success in direct-to-consumer. The only question is how much. It is one of the dominant players. The only question, again, is how much, not just how big, but how much money are they going to have to spend to continue? Right. And that goes to the larger question that a lot of investors are asking these days, which is what is this ultimately going to look like as the competition with Netflix continues to increase for Paramount, for Warner Discovery, uh, for our own parent company Comcast with its Peacock service? What is it all going to look like in terms of what you're spending on content to continue to make your service one that is robust enough to continue to gather subscribers, but at the same time actually make it profitable? Ad-supported is one way to try to do that. Right. Now, again, people may say, obviously, the market doesn't like what they're doing, and that's the opposite. But the market is focused on how much nuclear, the nuclear so-called attack, whatever you want to call it, uh, is impacting Europe, which is definitely going to impact us. So you're going to see stocks that are down today that really had unbelievable quarters. 
And I want people to realize it's not because the quarters weren't believable. Now, there's a lot of headline writing that says they'll look at a stock that's down and they will come up with a thesis why it's down. Well, the thesis is pretty simple. We're linked with Europe. We're linked with Russia. And when the smoke clears or the radiation clears, if they ever do something like that horrible, we'll be saying, OK, who did well? And you'll look at Disney and say, that was a good idea. Maybe we go back to Disney. Because it, Disney was down $2, and now it's only down a dollar. I'm, I'm not grasping at straws. I'm saying that please look at through the prism of Europe, which is down horribly, and then make your decisions. Realize that there's some great opportunities. All right, we're going to talk about some of Europe's challenges uh, later on in the show. Uh, Euro is just getting hammered today, oh. set for the biggest daily drop in about two years. We'll get Kramer's Mad Dash and count down to the opening bell. Don't go away. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Meet Janice. Unfortunately, her thing is sneeze attacks every time spring returns. I literally sneezed 40 times in a row once. <laughs> Luckily for Janice, at the Walmart pharmacy, she can get over-the-counter allergy relief for things like sneezing, runny nose, and watery eyes, fast with online pickup or delivery. No more suffering? That's nothing to <laughs> sneeze at. <laughs> I see what you did there. Help survive allergy season with fast online pickup or delivery from Walmart. Welcome to an easier pharmacy. Welcome to your Walmart. That overnight low in futures, right when we were getting the reports of the uh, nuclear plant in Ukraine, kind of matched with uh, Tuesday's intraday low, just south of 4,300. Uh, we're off of those levels now. VIX is uh, still elevated, just south of 34, and the opening bell in about six minutes. It is Friday, three and a half minutes before we get started with the last day of trading of what has been an eventful week, to say nothing of a volatile week as well. Let's get to a mad dash here. I am very impressed with uh, Sonia Single. I had her on this CEO, Gap Stewart. She laid out a plan turning the company around. Do you know she's doing it? She's doing it. There is a big and real turn. A lot of it, David, is Athleta, which is doing off-the-charts numbers. That's the comparison to Lululemon, doing great. Gap actually had a pretty good quarter. Old Navy had a good quarter. Uh, and I will tell you, they've closed the stores that are not doing well. The stock has come down tremendously. It's come down too much. Sells at eight times earnings. I think those uh, estimates are going to be way too low. Uh, I'm going to give you the option. You know, Morgan Stanley says, don't get too excited. The story isn't as good as people think. I think it is. And I, I think it's been a, it's a turn to be noticed because everyone's given up on Gap. Right. Well, it had that incredible move during right from the beginning of the pandemic through much of 2020. It was, it was one of the best performers of the year. Well, look, they have uh, Athletics doing, you know, Athletics is a driver. Athletics is a driver. Now, we'll, the, we'll say one of the things you got to point out, they use freight. They had, they had to pay big freight, but they still did well. Every chart looks like that. Oh, my God. Oh, we had chart. we had a yeah. bunch of downgrades last couple months because inventories were coming back. Yes. Maybe the risk of promotions. And then worries about the low end, right? And, well, and Old Navy specifically. I think that, frankly, she defied the critics. 
when she came on Mad Money, she made really, she, not unlike, there's been a couple people come on Mad Money, they really draw a line in the sand, and I love it. Uh, and uh, Gina Trezos at, at Signatures, stock was at 20, she's listening, that's it. It's done going down. Uh, I felt that, that the gap line in the sand has been reached, and it's been beat. And I'm very proud. It's a real turn there. I don't know if it goes to 20 or to 25. It's got to show multiple quarters. But I like that it's led by Athleta, which is a real division. You've got to get Sarah. You know, Sarah knows that. She does. Sarah Isaac yes. knows that segment. Yeah. She does. She's climbing down she the dollar. She's so right. You know, let's go to Europe. We've got to go to where? You want to go to? I did see her, uh, her tweeting on the dollar, yes. It's quite strong. Got Euro 110 and a bunch of calls again again for parity. We're back here, Jim. I know. I I, I go a lot, well, haven't been lately, but we go a lot to Europe. uh, I will tell you that you don't think anything's cheap at all. It just don't. I mean, it's just not like that. It's not like if you go to Mexico and it's like really inexpensive. It's not. No, it's not. It's not a good You don't see it. But it's better than at 120. I once went when it was 140. I had a dinner. At a, at a, you know, kind of an okay restaurant, Alan Ducat, Ducasse, and it was $700. I was like, I threw it back. I said, it should be seven, $70. He said, but the wine. They always do that. It's the wine. The Margot. It's the 1996 Margot. Remember these days? We're back. We are back. It's awfully loud down here this morning. Let's get the opening bell and the CNBC Real-Time Exchange here at the big board. Celebrating its merger with the IHS market. By the way, happy birthday to the S&P today. Turned 65. Well, well, you know, Doug Peterson has done a remarkable job. This is a big company. See the market cap? Enormous. For the 150 billion. This acquisition is fantastic. Buy the stock. It's the best acting fintech tech there is. And this merger is fantastic. You see Dan, you're a lot. He's from IHS market. I love this merger. And that's all I have to say. Uh, there's the open Dow's down uh, 360 to start. You guys were just talking about Gap. Uh, Costco uh, comps up 12.9. Is uh, a beat. Barclays calls it the goat retailer in that it is the goat they retailer. can take share. They have things in stock. Right. Maybe a special dividend down the road. They can always increase fees. Rich Galanti, the great CFO who runs the call, both teased you on the special dividend and teased you on the raised membership. Now, the analysts, all they try to do is say, well, look, Rich, uh, how about, isn't it like Netflix? They raised money. Well, isn't it like, you know, Amazon, Prime? And he's not going to do that. He's a surprise factor guy. The Stores in China are doing incredible. They're adding more stores than people thought. Hearing aids are back. Food court is back. Free samples are back. Bye. Chop just those It's down because, now, it's down because if someone sells it because it's down, please go listen to the conference call. I mean, at one point he does say, knock wood, the, call, the, uh, the costs are under control. The costs were better than it's ever did than the last three quarters. They have an amazing quarter. There's an amazing quarter. I think you're somewhat excited about Costco. I'm picking that up. Picking up uh, a little enthusiasm. Yeah, op- I think our operating margins were a beat. That uh, said, Jim, we got every Dow stock red. And to your earlier point, JPM's the worst. Well, I mean, you know, Jamie Dimon, ever since he made those uh, intemperate comments about fintech, well, fintech's been down more than his stuff, but it's kind of, you know, Fintech, you know, he feels very beaten down. He needs to buy. He feels beaten down. He needs to buy twenty million dollars worth of stock. Fifteen percent for the year. He should buy twenty. Well, far David more Solomon than the S and P's nine percent retreat so far during but the this year. But should it be? 
Um, you were with James Frazier yesterday. I was. I, I was. didn't want to buy that stock after I saw that interview. You didn't. Why not? Why? Yeah, why Because not? I felt like that holy cow. What a hand she's got. She's under. She Now she owns it. She's been there for a year. But I think that the holes in the bucket there are too it's, great. As she Dear said, Liza. it's going to take some time. Next three to five years, getting to an 11 to 12 percent ROTCE may not be exciting that many investors. There's a in a sense, they've almost got to cycle through some disappointed investors and get a new investor base that's, that's a believer. That's very right. That's a very good point. Someone, people who come in and just say, listen, she's very smart, which she clearly is. Yes. Um, she has to take a lot of actions, which she will do, and then it'll be fine. But it doesn't happen overnight. No. It doesn't happen overnight. No. Increasing the tech spend to $11 billion. Tech spend. Uh, 30,000 software engineers, which obviously I asked her about. Why don't they bring in Splunk, Gary Steele? See that? I, well, I saw also Hellman and Friedman and Splunk. Seven point five percent. Kind of an interesting well, choice. This is a, typically a private equity firm. You know, maybe they're running out of maybe they're running out of deals to do in terms of the full acquisition. Yeah. They're obviously just. But it's all it's all systems go for Splunk. So what, what you should do is just try to get Gary Steele in your shop. Cisco's not buying them, right? No, that, I, that's me. You know, yeah. that's not going to happen. Uh, but I'm going to have Gary Steele on the show. He doesn't even have a Splunk email yet. Really? Yeah, he was using like a Yahoo or something, you know. We have a look at Cisco. Cisco. There had, I mentioned that because, of course, about a month ago or so, the journal wrote some stories saying that they'd made a bid at some point. But again, new CEO, Hellman and Friedman now in there at a 7.5% stake. Well, I just thought it was interesting because Splunk actually had a good quarter, even though it was leaderless. Uh, it seems like that they finally got their model correct, and uh, Doug Merritt wasn't there. He was kind of like he didn't get to the promised land. Chevron's down. That's interesting uh, because they're the chief beneficiary of what's going on in terms of higher oil prices. So people who are selling Chevron just are simply just saying, you know what, the S&P's down, I'm going to sell Chevron. That's, Ill, that's an ill-advised strategy. Uh, oil, by the way, uh, headed for its biggest weekly gain in almost two years, but it is financials that are the weakest sector, down almost 2.5%. Semis are actually the relative bright spot between Broadcom and Marvell. Well, Hopkin told um, Broadcom told a great story. Uh, you know, he's more than just cell phones. It's fantastic. Now, the one that should be up the most, and I'm speaking my own book here, is Marvell. But Marvell uh, had a number of price target cuts, but that's because it was in the 90s. And I thought the Marvell quarter was better than the Broadcom quarter. But Hawk Tan, uh, has, you know, he's got that great dividend. Mm-hmm. Am I at all relevant to you? I am trying to read through some things that people have, you know, people text during the show. There's, this is an interactive show. I think we can all argue. You get texts. I do. We I, get I actually CEOs, got a significant text from sources. And yes, I am listening to you. And I'm also reviewing something in order to try to add to the conversation. Is that okay? I'm noticing the banks are down. I'm wondering, is any of that concern you were pa- talking earlier about European exposure in some way? I haven't heard a is word that- you said. By the way, that wouldn't be a bad thing. Um, speaking of Disney, I, I'm happy to talk to him. <laughs> speaking of Disney, uh, we've talked a bit about the the liabilities, Jim, regarding Europe. But Deutsche today upgrades six to buy, and they mention parks, the disruption to MLB, which they think is a big competitor right. to theme parks. They think even the gas prices, historical correlation, not as strong as you'd think. Absolutely right, and I think that we're going to be uh, we're going to get a lot of good news about pricing at parks. Uh, I do think the consumer choice that they're offering is really terrific. Uh, more pricing power in tiers. Uh, so I think the people who are selling Disney, again, are selling it because the S&P is down. 
And I urge people to say, you know what? I'm not saying that we should forget about what's going on over in Europe. But remember that Disney is not sitting there and saying, woe is me, I don't care about Chernobyl. You know, Chernobyl being the rubric for... Yeah, you're very focused on that. That was 1986. Okay, okay so listen, so here's Chernobyl. On I'm April 26th, really? the Dow was at 18... We didn't, thankfully, yeah, yes. nothing like that happened. But Dow, Dow Jones was at 1,841. It fell to 1,758 uh, almost immediately, a 4% decline. When I was, during that period, all of my clients at Goldman were shorting bread stocks. They were shorting milk. They could find milk. They were shorting Sweden because of the course of the, of the radiation. And they ended up being down big because by May 28th, they were, the market was up huge. That's okay. What, well, thankfully, when it comes to you, this Ukraine nuclear plant, there was no radiation but, yeah, they, and, and some made this point last night that they're, they're not building plants the way they built Chernobyl. No, Chernobyl no. Was, was faulty from the beginning. Wait, so did you see the special? Yes, well, the special. The HBO show is a wonderful show. It was yes. an amazing show. Yes. I had the added vision being true. Um, and I, yeah, the political ramifications of Chernobyl in terms of Gorbachev and the overall Soviet system, actually, it was something that I didn't appreciate until I watched no. that. Um, I like so I don't know why you keep talking about Chernobyl. Okay, here's why I'm talking about Chernobyl, because the market rallied after Chernobyl. It first went down four, and then it rallied. So I'm saying that you, what you see on your screen could change if there is some sort of brokered peace, which I know people have just written off, if there is a surrender, which would be horrible, or if there would be a, um, we, okay, we can have a rump state. Balkanized. Uh, balkanized. None of those things li- seem likely right now. Nothing ever seems likely. <laughs> Understood. Understood. So you're just saying beware of a potential rally if we were to get... Right. Look, I think Friday's an bad. And associations of hostilities off. in some way. Right. Well, I'm just saying that, that the employment number was good, that there's a lot of strength in the economy, but there does, you know, the inflation, if you listen to the Costco call, has simply you know, not, has, has gotten stable, okay? And Costco's the second largest retailer. Walmart. They're, you know, first, things are okay. And so I'm just saying that if you got a break in Europe, then yes, you would say, why did I sell everything? Otherwise, you should own oils. But you can't own nothing but oil because that's a stupid sign. That's what a lot of hedge funds went bust in 82 to 84 because they only owned oil. Dome Petroleum. Remember Dome Petroleum? That's sort of, people are arguing now that's the um, millennials' new favorite. You know, they got out of coins. Right, got out of memes, and now they're all about WTI. They really are. And, and even some Russian. No, but one of the reasons I wanted Munkry from Devon, which is not as big as Exxon, is because he really uniquely understands this. And it's kind of interesting, because when you speak with younger people, which I do, you know, these were people who, they owned Snowflake, which they thought, by the way, was a meteorological play. Now, suddenly, they want to own, hey, I saw that guy, David, the really good-looking guy. They always say that. Good for you. Um, and and he says that Exxon is good. I said, no, he went to Exxon. He never said Exxon was good. Thank no, you. I want to own some Exxon because they, you know, they're That's, big. Yeah, but they all care about climate change, too. Yeah, but Exxon's doing more about climate change than anyone. Do you see well, the board? They're doing a lot. They're doing a lot. Whether way, or not it's going to work. David, I like the viewers who are writing in. Am I at all relevant to you? <laughs> Which is what you just said. <laughs> oh, meanwhile, I got a text from, uh, I can't even say his name, but he says to say hi. Somebody just texted. Yeah, well, I got a text. I got a text that actually has. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do a favor report on something else that also could be a gating issue for some of the market. Uh, Uh, You're going to do it on on Sweet Greens, right? No, on antitrust. 
on antitrust. And I want to talk about antitrust this morning in part because, of course, this Amazon MGM deal, which conceivably will get closed prior to even hearing from the FTC. That at least is reporting that the journal has uh, as of the last day or so. Can't confirm that. You can see that there. Remember, they announced the deal. It seemed to have absolutely no antitrust implications. Um, and yet, this is the environment that many companies are operating in right now. The FTC, by the way, is 2-2. And they're still waiting for that third appointment, a Democrat, which would make it 3-2. So you're not going to get anything from the FTC. And Amazon may be in a position where they're like, fine, we're going to go ahead and close and we'll see what happens. Um, but it does put a spotlight yet again on antitrust enforcement. Uh, and it's something we've talked about a great deal here, obviously, uh, in light of Microsoft's pending acquisition of uh, Activision as well. Right. But even the president brought it up in the State of the Union address. Take a listen. Capitalism without competition is not capitalism. Capitalism without competition is exploitation. You got four basic meatpacking facilities. That's it. You play with them, or you don't get to play at all. And you pay a hell of a lot more. By the way, echoing uh, words of Tim Wu, who is a White House special assistant on tech and competition policy, that capitalism without competition is not capitalism. It's interesting here, of course, antitrust theory has been largely based in this country on the effect on the consumer. And in fact, that's still where the law takes you. If you were to go to court on many of these things, many people believe that you ultimately, if you're a corporation and you're actually not uh, distressing the consumer, you're going to win. But the administration is also putting in labor as an important constituency here, and in part that is some of the arguing that, uh, that Mr. Wu has made uh, in the past as well. By the way, he referenced meat packers. One of the deals in jeopardy is Sanderson Farms. Remember that? Connell Grain, Cargill buying Sanderson Farms. That was a deal announced back in August. I am told that, yeah, unless they make changes to that transaction, it's not going through as currently uh, as is currently contemplated. Elizabeth Warren also writing a, a letter to uh, Jonathan Canner at the uh, antitrust division of the DOJ back in mid-February, February 16th, saying they have concerns about that $4.5 billion deal as well. So as it currently stands, Sanderson Farm's not going to happen. But they do, seem, they do seem interested in trying to potentially change the deal. Maybe bring in private equity in some way. Maybe you can figure something out that will... Um, that will satisfy DOJ. You mentioned Illumina Grail. I'm glad you did. That's such a um, great deal. There's an example of the EU getting involved. Illumina owned Grail. And then they spun it off back in 2016. Right. Then they came back and said, you know what? We want to own it again. And they bought it. And they closed the deal in August, but they still may face a challenge from the FTC. The EU is coming after them as well. They've kept it as a separate entity, but they own it. Once again, the question there from the FTC seems to be, is the market for multiple cancer blood tests will become so large that Illumina uh, will have the incentive to kill or disable emerging rivals to no. rail? The answer is no. All right, it may well grail be. Grail is the holy grail. They have you with a, a little bit question. of blood. They, can, they may be able to tell you they have cancer. Right. And we need Illumina to blow it out. To get, they, grail doesn't have scale. Illumina's got scale. Uh, United That's Healthcare and Change Healthcare, of course, that deal was uh, was opposed. It was, that was just, I think it was this week. Sorry, I'm looking for the paper here still. Is there cancer is. opposing as much as FTC? Uh, I think cancer is going to be very aggressive. Listen, all of this... We're, we're not giving you anything that you didn't already know if you follow the headlines. But what it does have, of course, is a chilling effect on the willingness of companies to pursue large transactions. 
Um, and they need to be aware of any number of different things here. Now, is the FTC going to take everybody to court and lean to con? No, they don't have the resources to do that. You want to try to chill it before they even think about doing the deal. Um, because ultimately, if you do get to court, maybe Microsoft will have to go to court to get Activision done. Many people think, regardless of the judge you draw, you're going to win on the law. Now, you never know. And politics plays an important part well, of it. You know, so you need a political strategy. You need a practical strategy if you're announcing a deal. You need to get through the thicket. Um, and you need a tone that's not necessarily straightforward antagonistic. But overall, antitrust, not hurting the market as much right now, Jim, as volatility. But something we certainly Absolutely. have to keep a close eye on. Okay, so October of 2021, IHS market and S&P Global yes. announced the merger. It took them this long to close. European regulatory. Yes. So the thicket is really... It, navigating a, the EU, not to mention China, China, and obviously a very aggressive FTC and DOJ here in the United States is a key consideration of anyone announcing a deal, certainly anything with any sort of implication whatsoever. And again, back to where we started. When Amazon announced their intent to acquire MGM, nobody thought that had any antitrust implications. Many people continue to believe that. But that's the focus here. Large tech getting larger, all of the power that they have. The question is, could you win in court? Should we look at Jonathan Cantor's record at Paul Weiss and wonder whether he was a challenger of antitrust? He wasn't. Let's do that. No, we'll do a lot. We'll continue on this. You know, Anthony Blinken, was a, he was an associate at Paul Weiss? You mean the Secretary of State? Yeah, Secretary of State. A lot so of notables at no that firm. No one really remembers it. A lot of notables. A lot of notables. Yes. I turned it down. Guys, we're holding 43.15. Uh, two's tens, now down to 25 basis points. Let's get to Bob Pisani. Hey, Bob. Morning, guys. Uh, you know, considering that uh, attacking a nuclear power plant is a whole nother level of tail risk, uh, we're only down 1% on the S&P 500. That's not bad at all. And the usual game is being played out here. They're going for commodities, so metal stocks, uh, energy stocks continuing to hold up. Occidental is always on the biggest gainer list almost every day. Materials are strong. Tech is flattish. Uh, some of the other sectors, it's curious to watch Consumer Staples Week because generally they have been holding up very well in days when we're stressed in the market, obviously sort of low volatility. Banks is the real problem, as Carl mentioned, yields down uh, 11 basis points to 1.73 on the 10-year. Uh, here you see like stocks like Hormel have done very well uh, this week uh, on the stress level. So you got low volatility. Uh, some of them are dividend payers, uh, generally holding up very well. If you look for the week, companies that have held up well, generally companies that had low volatility, utilities, gold miners, telecom stocks, waste management, and some of the... Uh, the uh, utilities that are out there, McCormick Public Storage, and a few of these REITs generally are the ones that are holding up fairly well. When they start selling off, that means that you're completely de-risking the market. You don't even want a U.S.-based product. Just to bring you up to date on the Russian trading situation here, we had some new trading halts today at the New York Stock Exchange. And now basically halting uh, the majority of the Russian ETFs that have been trading. Now, remember, the underlying stocks are no longer trading anywhere, including Moscow, including London and Germany and in the United States. Now the underlying ETFs themselves are being halted here. And again, these halts are just generally for regulatory concern. Nobody's delisting anything. Nobody's doing anything. Just a regulatory 
halt. They could obviously begin trading them at any time if they want to, but as of now, they don't. Curiously, uh, the Vanek Russia ETF, RSX, which trades on a different exchange, uh, as of this morning, uh, here it is, it's still trading. Rather remarkable, considering that we have no stocks essentially that are open underneath. And again, this is that remarkable thing about ETFs where the trading community can essentially make an estimate of where they think it may be. But this is sparking a huge debate in the investment community, in the mutual fund community, in the ETF community about what's investable and what is not investable. And somebody had a great line to me the other day. They said globalization in reverse for the ETF and the mutual fund business. Remember, we had global investments expanded dramatically as indexing expanded, uh, ETFs expanded in the last 20 years. Everyone started investing globally, partly based on market capitalization. And a lot of that is now being debated. It's not just Russia being delisted from the global indexes. Obviously, this is a war situation and rather serious. But there's a lot of debate about what would qualify as an investable or an uninvestable in, uh, uh, investment at this point. For example, China uh, has shown great belligerence. Should there be discussions about having people no longer invest in China? Not necessarily delisting, not forcing it, but what extent should people be investing? And should the question no longer just be market capitalization? Should there be a broader discussion about what is investable and what is not investable, given the market volatility? Remember, China has done things that's created tremendous market volatility, um, but obviously uh, doesn't rise to the level necessarily of having a lot of uh, indexes delist you. Nobody's done that yet. There have been some stocks from China that have been delisted here in the United States. So it's a big debate. Carl, in the investment community, what's investable and not on the global sphere? Back to you. Good point. All right, Bob, thanks so much, uh, Bob Pisani. Later on today, join Jim for a 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time CNBC Investing Club live monthly meeting. As he said, it's uh, Devin's Rick Moncrief will be his special guest. You can sign up for the club at cnbc.com slash join the club. That's going to be a good one, Jim. Look forward to that. Oh, thank uh, you. Before we go to break, time for the bond report. As we look how Treasuries are faring this morning, we mentioned the uh, yield curve and the spread between twos and tens. It was 40 basis points last week. Got down to 30 this morning, now closer to 25, 10-year, 173, and the Dow's down almost 500. You can see the sea of red on the S&P directionally getting back in the neighborhood of uh, Tuesday's low, which was 42.79, still well above the low for the year of 41.14 back on February 24th. We're back in a minute. Jim, what's on Matt tonight? The most freaking guess I've ever had is Gary Steele. He kept saying, buy proof point, buy proof point. And then, boom, they got a bid. It was a huge home run. Now he's at Splunk. So I say, buy Splunk, buy Splunk. Now, don't do it right now because the market's horrible. By the end of the day, people are going to be selling because they're afraid of the weekend. But this man's a winner, okay? He's a moneymaker. Jim? Good long, good weekend, good week. We'll uh, see you. Okay, you know, I was with my daughter when the fire came on. I said, I said, let's we just got to wait for the fire to come out and decide whether it's a good time or not. The fire got out. Yeah. Uh, we're going to stay glued to the tape today. That's for sure. We'll see you tonight. Uh, Mad Money, 6 p.m. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. 
Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley, in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.